Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada is uh, a man that I think you guys have all seen on the internet. Uh, When the Dodgers play the show pods, it's always fun for us because not only is he one of the hosts on the Ring the Bell podcast, which you can listen to on our network, on the Believe Network, but he also has the hog watch. To me, he is, no disrespect to Tony Gwynn because everybody knows how much I love Tony Gwynn. Borna is Mr. Padre. Uh, Borna, bienvenido, my friend. ¿Cómo estás? Juan, Roger, Amy, thank you guys so much for having me. It's, uh, wow, what, what two different situations, Dodgers and Padre, but I am doing good. Not for you guys. For me, it's an off day, so I get to relax a little bit on the Padres front. Not really, never relaxing, but uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, the show is absolutely crushing. I'm glad we we're finally able to get this crossover going. Well, I, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with Borna, this is the reason why we wanted to have him show, because this man has passion. Not only does he have passion for what he does, but he has passion for the show pods. Babyface, can you play the clip? Uh-oh. So much shit to Dodgers fans. <laughs> this is why I keep trying to tell you guys, like, the whole Kershaw shit, the whole showing him on the crybaby scoreboard. We won one series against them. We don't have shit. In our trophy case. That's why we're acting like a small city. This is exactly why. Because when you talk, the bunny's got the gun. When you talk, when you talk, and you talk, and you talk, and you have nothing to show for it, you fucking pay the price the hard way. This is why I hate it when we show the scoreboards, we show all this shit, and all you guys try and make fun of Dodger fans, breaking news, they've done a lot more than we ever have as an organization. Borna, why are you cringing, man? That is an awesome rant. There is so much honesty there. I, I mean, looking back at it now, how does that make you feel? I mean, I, I cringe because it's myself, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't take back anything that I said in, in, in the moment, and I still stand by that. I do believe the, the Padre season did go south right after that. I do believe in the baseball gods. Um, but 
I mean, it's the truth. I mean, I, I definitely think last year when we you know beat you guys in the NLDS, uh, I was talking to a buddy. I said, listen, we we went out and celebrated that night, but the celebrations were ongoing and ongoing into the NLCS, and that's kind of the difference of these organizations. We needed to act like we did belong and take care of business, and I don't think the organization quite really fulfilled that promise. But listen, I mean – it's been a very up and down season, but yeah, I, I did truly feel that in the moment. I'll never forget. I was at that game when Mookie Betts uh, hit that home run with two outs to go against Josh Hader. The difference of that series this year, the, and man, that was a uh, incredible pain, incredible pain. Uh, part of the reason why I like watching you and listening to you is because I, as much as I know the show pods are your team, I, I don't think you're a homer. I would never think of you as a homer, and I and I appreciate your honesty. Now, you sit there and you say you believe in the baseball gods. So after this, so what went wrong? That show pods first half, like what, what is it that put them in the same category as the Metropolitans as the biggest disappointments in Major League Baseball? Let me first preface this by saying the Padres are actually only four games back in the wild card spot. So we'll get into that a little bit later. I think as bad as it's been, they're definitely not out in the count, no pun intended. Here's the deal with the Padres. What was their difference last year? They were able to win every close game. This year, they haven't been able to win any close game. They're 6-18 and 18 in one-run games. They're 0-10 in, in extra inning games. That's a 6-28 and 28 combined record. That's putrid, pathetic anemic and uh that's the difference i mean we know they have the third highest run differential in the national league behind your dodgers at two and, and behind the braves at number one they are a talented team they've shown that they've crushed teams they've blown out teams but earlier on the year they couldn't hit with runners in scoring position and now they just can't win close games i mean that's the difference uh but again, the, the, it's still all right in front of them. They are one game under 500, huge four game set coming up. As bad as it's been, as ugly as it's been, they're not out of it. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up, Borna, because I want to give credit to La Reina de Playa Larga, Amy Cuevas, here, because Amy never counted the show pods out. Amy had always said, Go ahead, Amy, explain why you thought the show pods were never going to be out of it. And no disrespect, you guys run on spite. Like you guys are kind of like your rant. Like you guys don't have anything from a trophy perspective to show yet. So you guys use that to fuel you in the second half of the season. And you guys give us a run for our money every year. And so for me, it's like you said, you're four, you're four games back from the wild card. You're eight and a half back from, from us right now, but you guys aren't out as far as, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's another thing. I, again, I don't want to get greedy at all, but Usually at this time of the year, the Dodgers are 20 games up in the National League West. It's only eight games. And, and a lot of people are talking about the wild card. The, the Potters and Dodgers have a huge four-game set right now. I mean, that can really dictate the Dodgers take care of business. They're, they may run away with the division. The Padres take care of business. Anyone can win the division outside of the Colorado Rockies. And that's the one thing I've been telling Padre fans. It's like, listen, you saw what they did at the trade deadline. They they softly bought, which is what I'd say. They got help in their bullpen. They got a right-handed DH guy in Garrett Cooper. They got a left-handed DH guy in G-Man Choi. Uh, it, it's all there. And, and, and Ruben Niebla and the Padres, they have the best rotation in baseball. They have. They're going to have the National League Cy Young Award winner in Blake Snell this year, uh, who's going to be pitching against you guys on Saturday. So, again, as bad as it's been, Amy, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, they're right there for the taking. But then they lose three out of four to the Dodgers. I'm back to ranting and crying again. So I'm a roller coaster, just like the team. Hey, Borna, before we get into the series, uh, the, the Dodgers and the show pods, I, I do want to talk about you, you brought up the trade moves. Uh, I know at, at the beginning you thought they should have been sellers, right? Mm. Are you happy with them 
not selling and, and going for it because I just think there's too much talent on this team to keep them down for a whole season, right? Yeah, I think there's too much talent, but I think the Potters could have bought and sold at the same time. When you really think about it, they have $116 million tied up to you, Darvish, $100 million tied up to Joe Musgrove. You tell me they want to give Blake Snell another $160 million and have half a billion dollars tied up to the top three of their rotation. So as good as Blake Snell's been, I would have dealt him. You would have got a, a fantastic prospect haul for him, and you could have bought fringe starters like Rich Hill and whatnot. I don't think Blake Snell on and off this team is, is the difference. The pitching has been so good, and they can still get some guys to help but cash in on some of their rentals who are, who are just crushing it. I mean, Josh Hader, he's going to want $100 million in free agency. You just traded for Scott Barlow, who can be your closer, and you have Robert Suarez signed for five years, who was arguably better than Josh Hader, right, last year, even against your Dodgers. So, you know, I, I felt like they could have done both, but you know how A.J. Preller is. He's an all-or-nothing kind of guy, and listen, he's going for it once again. Uh, uh, Amy, I don't know if you know this, but the Ring the Bell guys are not fans of A.J. Preller. So, Borna, I'm assuming you're in that same uh, boat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I mean... Listen, I think he's a great scout. I don't think he's good at delegating and building a roster. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Prowler fan. <laughs> um, so in terms of the trade moves that they did make, like what was the biggest need? Was it the bullpen? Is that what this team needed? Yeah, it was the bullpen, I'd say, um, and definitely a DH bat. So, you know, the Padres in the offseason, they went and signed Nelson Cruz, um, and they went and signed Matt Carpenter. Uh, both have absolutely backfired. Nelson Cruz was DFA'd. Matt Carpenter's bat speed is slower than I don't even have an acronym for. So what did they do at the trade deadline? They went and traded for G-Man Choi, who's been hurt for the most part this year, but hits a home run in every 12 at-bat. So he can be a guy, for example, you can start against Bobby Miller tomorrow. And then when you're facing a left-hander like Urias or Kershaw, you went and got Garrett Cooper, who has an 850 OPS against left-handed pitchers, who has good slug. So I think they addressed that need. And then they go get a guy in Scott Barlow, who was one of the best closers in the American League in 21 and 22. He's having a bad year. They bought low on him, similar to Hader last year. And look what Ruben Niebel was able to do back to Josh Hader. The hope is to do that to Barlow, who's under contract for next year as well. Hater probably walks, and you have Barlow. So the bullpen's fatigued. You added to that. You added some depth. Listen, this Padre team's loaded. They are loaded. They just got to get it done internally. Loaded team, though. Uh, Amy, uh, what is your concern uh, going into this series between the Dodgers? It's a four-game set uh, between the Doyers and the Showpods. I mean, I, I just go back to the whole running on spite. Like, we just we bring out the best in each other. I mean, you saw that in the, when we got to the postseason last year, like you guys gave us a run for our money and knocked us out. So I, you guys don't ever fail to not show up. So, I mean, it's four games. I'm just like you said, this, this could be a game changer for the season. So I'm, I'm a little concerned. Just like you said, our, our bullpens are both taxed. We've kind of fixed that with the trade deadline, but we're, we're still getting flack from, from our media as far as, you know, what trades we did or didn't make, I'm, I'm sure you guys are getting a little bit of that on your side, too. So going into this, I, I know we're going to go head to head. So you guys, how, you guys worry me every time. How bummed are you guys? Uh, this is a question for any of you guys about the whole uh, Erod situation at the trade deadline, rejecting his trade to the Dodgers. I, I'm not bummed at all, Borna. I think the Dodgers dodged a bullet uh, with Erod because if you look at his numbers outside of that AL Central, his ER, I mean, that AL Central's offense I mean, no wonder his ERA is, is that good. I mean, when you're facing uh, Las Medias Blancas, you're facing the Gemelos, you're facing those juggernaut, those offensive juggernauts in the AL Central, I think he would have gotten lit up 
uh, in the NL West and, and the rest of the, the teams that the Dodgers are going to face. So I, I think they dodged a bullet. I, I think it's just one of those things where Friedman, I think, was in a tough place because obviously the prices were ridiculous. Yeah. And to your point, I think you're right. Uh, I think it's something that the Mets did, you know, where they just decided we're going to blow this up and use it. And probably two years from now, the, the Mets are going to be very happy that they sold Scherzer and they sold Verlander. I agree. I agree. Uh, so it, it, it's a tough situation because, you know, you want you want to win now, right? It's all about winning a World Series. So what message are you sending to your team? I hear the Guardians are not happy. Uh, the GM of the Guardians had to go in and talk to the clubhouse and explain, you know, their, their lack of moves. So it's like, what message are you sending to your team? Um, in terms of that, look, I, the regular season, I think they have enough to win the regular season. It's the postseason. And call it PSD for whatever the show pods did to us last year. But I'm old enough to remember when the Dodgers won 111 games in a regular season and the Joe and the show pods did a gentleman's sleep, uh, sweep on us in, in the playoffs. And that can happen very easily again this year. I think your show pods are about to go on a run if they haven't already started going Not on a run. Am I am I wrong there, Borna? Is it just the trauma speaking, or aren't the show parts starting to play better? They've won five of six games. Um, one thing that's ridiculous is that they don't have a win streak of more than three games this year. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> uh, it's, but but hey, they they've won five of six games. They swept the Texas Rangers. They should have won six games in a row. They lost a heartbreaker in Coors. They won the next two. Uh, listen, this is the biggest series of our season so far. This is the litmus test. This is it. It's now or never. We've played 109 games. We have the new acquisitions. You know Petco is going to be rocking. They have Darvish. They have Snell. They have some of their big cogs going on the mound. Luckily, you guys avoid Musgrove. Um, and, and we'll see Lugo probably go Sunday and we'll see if Waka makes his return Monday. But I mean, it's now or never. I mean, both teams are a little bit reinforced. The, the Padres need this series more than the Dodgers do. I'm not saying it's not an important series for the Dodgers, but we're, we're wild card chasing. I mean, I'm scoreboard watching Marlins Phillies at a 9 a.m. this morning. That's how where we're at. You guys are, you know, trying to win the division. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, we are playing good baseball. I will say Juan Soto is uh, the hottest hitter on the planet right now. And we are finally, after a year, finally getting that Washington Nationals Juan Soto. Crushing balls to the opposite field. Just de de you know, demolishing pitchers. And that's what we need. Hassan Kim also, if you haven't checked in on him, probably one of the best players in the National League this year. Dude is a... Uh, Almost a six-war player, leads the National League in war, um, was on pace for easily a 25-25 season, 850 OPS. My goodness. So, yeah, the Potters are playing good baseball. Can they play good baseball against their divisional rivals who sometimes get them up here? Stay tuned. See, uh, if I would have said everything that Borna just said right now, I'm the Prince of Darkness. I love the show pods. I, I hate the Doyers. Everything that Borna <laughs> just said right now is the reason why I think it's going to be a tough series this weekend uh, in San Diego, and it's going to be tough. I want to end the show setting it up this way because he's been very quiet this whole time. But Babyface buried your show pods about two months ago, saying they were almost six feet under. Babyface, I know you still feel that the show pods are buried. Here's your opportunity. Do you want to change your mind right now and be like, you know what? The show pods are getting hot at the right time. 
And with this new playoff format, this is what it's all about now. No, I mean, I think it is a big series, like Borna said. But like you said, when it's in San Diego, it's always huge, right? The, the fans are going to be out. And I see, and I think the Padres play up to that, right? The, they come out with intensity and they're, they're in it. So if, if they lose this series, it's going to crush them, right? It's going to crush yeah. them. So for me, why I say like it's going to be hard for them is because they're not just chasing one team, right? You're chasing the wild card, which is a lot. You know, you got two, three, four teams. You got a hot Cubs team. You got the D-backs. You got who? The Brewers are in there. The you know Marlins, the Phillies. Marlins, Phillies. So it's that's that's the tough climb. So like if they do go on on a streak where they can you know reel off you know more than four, five, six games, obviously it, it does them it does them well. But to me, like I said, it's hard for a team that hasn't done it all year and to suddenly just turn it on. It's kind of that's hard to think like, yeah, they're, they're just going to turn it on and do it right when they haven't done it all year. So, like I said, it's a big test this weekend. And if the Dodgers go in there and, and win this series, I think that's going to really crush the Padres. What's I feel your like this is, the, this is the perfect right. time, though, right, for the Padres, because they're going to use the Dodgers as a catalyst, like back to that, like running on spite. Like if there was any team that's going to kickstart the Padres right now, it's us. If you guys I don't want you to beat us, but like if you if you guys come to life, like this is going to be it. This is what's going to ignite that for you guys. Like that's they're, that's what I'm afraid of. They're flipping the switch. This is exactly what they did last year. This is exactly what they did last year, and this is what La Reina had been warning us about and saying, don't don't bury them. Don't bury them. There's just too much talent on that team. And, uh, you know, Snell's been pitching great. Uh, Born to answer your question. Go ahead, babyface. I mean, I would think they'd actually have a better shot at chasing the division. I mean, even though they're eight, what, eight and a half games out. Like, if they swept the Dodgers right, they're right, right back in at four games, I yeah. think that'd be a better shot than chasing the wild card for them, you know, just because of the inner the inner division matchups that are coming up. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Padres, they do have seven more games against the Diamondbacks, seven more games against the Giants, three more against the Brewers, three more against the Phillies, three more against the Marlins. I think those are the important games. Those are the head-to-heads of all the teams above them. So, um it's all in front of them for the taking. They have to take it. No, absolutely. And we're the gatekeeper right now. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and to answer your question, Borna, I, I think the show pods are winning three out of four this weekend. Wow. Yeah. What about all, what about Babyface and Amy? I'm hoping we split. If we can just split at least two and two, I'll be happy. I mean, I'll I'll take the split, but you know, I'm I'm gonna go three three out of four Dodgers. Padre fans, we're we're taking the split. Yeah, we. I mean, we if we we if we have a chance to split, we'll we'll get out of there with the split. That's how I feel. I I think. Uh, I mean, you guys are going to see Emmett Sheehan. Emmett Sheehan is going to be pitching against guys like Machado, guys like Soto, and even though Emmett Sheehan had a good good outing, his last outing before that, we saw his control problems. We saw what the Rangers did to him. That concerns me. The Dodgers have not lined up their pitching for this weekend. You might see Yarborough, the way Dave Roberts yep. said, uh, Yarborough's probably going to, they're going to use an opener and then Yarborough's going to be the long man. Uh, so I, because of that, the pitching does not line up and you guys are throwing Snell, who kills us, which means Austin Barnes is going to have to come save us. So there you go. No more Austin Barnes hatred. Uh, and then you Darvish. And, you know, Walk has been pitching really well for you guys this year, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been awesome. But the thing is, I don't know if he's going to return. He's been out for about six, six, seven weeks now. They're hoping he can pitch against y'all on Monday. It's kind of weird. We have a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday yeah. series. But the hope is he can go Monday. But they don't know yet with his return. So if Waka isn't ready, probably gonna, you're probably going to see Rich Hill's Padre debut, former Dodger. Well, I, I mean, look, Borna, I, I want to thank you for coming on. I always look forward to this because of the energy in this series, especially when the Dodgers play down in San Diego. The the Chopin fans come out, and I look to me, this is good for baseball. You want more of these kinds of series no where you feel the energy coming through the TV, and you just hope your team can can pull it off. I hope we have good games. I hope I hope we don't have blowouts, but I want to be respectful of your time, Borna. I want to thank you again, Borna. Where if we got some crossover, uh, if we got some show pause fans coming out here who don't know about you, where can they follow you uh, on the social media? Yeah, guys, all my social medias are at the Hogwatch, as you can see on your screen on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Hogwatch. Uh, also, make sure you check us out on the Ring the Bell podcast with our you know fellow awesome friends here at the Believe Network with Nick Kreider and, and former three-time Padres All-Star Heath Bell. Uh, it's my first time on, on y'all's show at Bleed Los, but I really appreciate the hospitality, and I'm glad we were able to get together. It's uh, I love doing this with y'all. I'm not going to lie. I hate the Dodgers, but I did appreciate <laughs> this. Uh, you guys live rent-free in my head. I'd be lying to you if I said they didn't. Look, we can talk like normal people. No and, doubt. And, you know, I mean, we can talk because, look, <laughs> nobody's going to piss me off more than the Dodgers, and I feel like nobody pisses you off more than the Padres, even though you hate the Dodgers. I'm not going to have hair in five years if I remain a Padre <laughs> fan, but it's fine. I'll enjoy it while I have it. And there you have it, folks. Borna, thank you very much. And a big thank you once again to Borna. Uh, do, you, do you know how to pronounce his last name, uh, Babyface? I don't, I don't want to butcher it. Uh, is it Nazari? I think it's Nazari. I should have asked him. Borna Nazari. Uh, you see him. He is Mr. He is Mr. Showpod. Yeah, he does work with the Ring the Bell podcast, the Hogwatch, and he has that great rant. And that, to me, is a true fan. That, that was coming from his soul. That was right there. He hates losing. That, to me, was the expectation that was sent. That was, you know, if we had more time with with Borna, what I wanted to get into that we didn't get a chance to talk to him about is how the show pods are going to keep paying all these people. Because he mentioned that, you know, Hater's going to want a lot of money. Blake Snell's going to want a lot of money. They've already handed out these contracts, and we haven't even gotten to the point yet of the renewal for Juan Soto. And if Juan Soto is back to being Washington Nationals Juan Soto, that dude's going to want a lot of money. Uh, Reina, what did you think about uh, what Borna had to say about the show pods? I mean, it's always nice to see an objective fan. Like, you can still have the passion for your team, but but you're not, you're not able to, you're not unable to look past, you know, other teams and, and what they bring to the table. And I think what that's what I say? love about baseball. It's just, <laughs> I mean, I, I am not, I don't like smack talking in baseball. Like I like good nature. Let's bring in stats. Let's talk about that. But I have never been one to just smack talk for the sake of smack talking. I hate the VLA chant. I hate people who are like mean to the show pods just for no reason to any other team out there. So for me, <laughs> it was just, it was refreshing. That's the kind of baseball fan I am. So. I mean, shots are fired, babyface. I know you think this is all an attack on you, but let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. 
if the show pods end up making a move, you know who's responsible for this, right? You do know what moment we're going to, it's not going to be the show pods beating the Dodgers in San Diego this weekend. The, the thing that turned around the show pod season was you burying them. You said they were five feet under. Now, do you regret what you've done? You just woke a sleeping giant, my friend. The show pods are pulling the undertaker right now. And you're the one holding the urn. I don't regret it. I mean, I think, I think, like I said, this is a big test for the Padres this weekend. So this weekend, if they don't win this series, I mean, whatever you want to say, stick a fork in them, everything else. Like, I think that that will be, cause it's going to be two things, right? They're going to knock down in the standings and it's going to be another shot to their morale. Like we didn't mention this with, with Borna, but he hits it. He hits it, the nail right on the head. It's like, Padres, Padres fans, and rightfully so, they get up for the series, right? It's the biggest series of the year. It's it's their World Series, right? Every time, every time the Dodgers go to San Diego, it's their World Series. But I've said this a lot. I think the Padres get that in their head too, and they want to beat this team so bad. That's their number one goal. They if they beat this team, they're having a party in in in, in the clubhouse. They have piñatas. They got they, they got everything going, and. That's how it's been for them. They beat them in the playoffs last year, and that was it. That's all they cared about. And that's that's what I keep thinking. Until they get that out of their head, that, oh, okay, we beat, the, we beat the Dodgers, everything's great. Until they can get past that, then they'll get, they'll be, they're able to move on. But if they have that in their head, so that mentality, all we want to do is beat the Dodgers, then they're going to have troubles. See, th- this is what always concerns me, and you bring this up every time the Doyers play the show pods. All of a sudden, you know, Manny Machado's out there stealing bases. You see him with the effort, and you always sit there and go, why can't the Dodgers play like this? The Dodgers are slow and steady. Tranquilo. It's the tortoise in the hair. It is the, the show pods come out like gangbusters, and the Dodgers are still like, you know, they are. I, I don't know if it's just their experience. They've been through this. But we're going to see it this weekend. And you're absolutely right. Because if the show pods end up losing three out of four, I you're, then I think you your prediction might be right, babyface. Because losing three out of four, not only because of the division, but because like the Diamondbacks are going through something right now. And I hope they still stay like this when the Dodgers see them next week. But the Diamondbacks are one of those teams ahead of the show pods. The Cubs, you mentioned it, babyface. The Cachorros are really hot right now. The Cachorros may have broken the Rojos, but whatever the Cachorros did to the Rojos, the Dodgers need to find out. They need to copy that resume, that that recipe because if the Dodgers end up playing the Rojos again in the postseason, they need to do what the Cachorros did because what, what was it? Through two games, they had scored like 36 runs against 30, them? 30, 36 runs over the last two games. So it's like 20 and 16. It's like... So that's the thing that concerns me going into this series is clearly this series means more to the show pots. The show pots are desperate, you know, now they have won five of six. It was interesting to see uh, Borna say that this team has not won more than three in a row. So that is, cons- I, I mean, it, it makes me, it gives me comfort that at least the Dodgers won't get swept this weekend, but I do feel like this is going to be a playoff series for the show pods. How are the Dodgers going to react to it? And more importantly, 
are the Dodgers going to want? Like, are they going to try hard to win this series when they're like, it's the dog days of August? You know, right now, these guys just want to stay healthy and make it to the end of the road, right? Because the update that we got from Dave Roberts, this J.D. Martinez thing is the same thing that ended his season last year. Is this hamstring growing thing that is somehow connected to his back. So that's concerning to me only because it ended his season. And he's a huge part of that lineup. I mean, Dave Roberts told us uh, before the pregame scrum that that what they're looking at now is this seems to flare up whenever he has, plays in day games. So does that mean now J.D. Martinez is not going to play in day games? You know, so you're going to you're going to lose him for day games in this season and just save the day games for the postseason. So uh, that's that's the thing. That's why it's like, oh, there's Juan being the Prince of Darkness again. I'm trying to think the way these guys think, how Dave Roberts and Andrew Friedman think. And they're so conservative during the regular season where it's just like, look, we're not. It's not worth the risk. Meanwhile, the show pods, they have to risk it because it's like they're on the outside looking in. So when you're playing against a team that is like, look, we got nothing to lose. We're already the laughing stock of baseball. We, we got to, they're desperate. It, it, I don't think it's going to be a favorable weekend. I hope I am wrong, but I don't think it's going to be a favorable weekend in San Diego. Reina, talk me off this ledge. Tell me I'm wrong. I, I mean, I do think you're wrong on some level just because we, we can't afford tortoise and hair aside. Like we can't afford that right now. The giants are two and a half games back. So even if we're not going up against, you know, we can afford to lose a couple games to the, to the Padres. We can't afford to drop any ground on the giants because again, both the giants and the Padres give us a run for our money every year, no matter how they're doing in the standings, they still are ones that take games from us that we might need at the end of the season. So I think we, we have to be all in whether we have as much invested in the Padres as, as they do. So I think we're still going to be okay. The pitching matchups is going to be interesting because Roberts has, has still not announced what, how the pitching is going to line up for the weekend. The only thing we know for sure is that Bobby Miller is going to be pitching on Friday. So based on how the rotation has gone so far, then you're probably looking at Emmett Sheehan uh, pitching on Saturday. What I found very interesting that he told us in the pregame scrum the other day is Michael Grove is going to the bullpen. They're, they are absolutely skipping his turn in the rotation. What I thought was interesting uh, was I think Michael Grove is a candidate to be sent down once Kershaw comes back because Robert said he's on the roster, so we're going to use him out of the bullpen. Uh, so that means if they're skipping Grove, then that means that maybe what? So that means on Sunday, Lance Lynn's going to pitch. And then you're going to have Tony Gonsolin pitch on Monday. So you're going to have Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, Lance Lynn. Um, let's talk about it. We haven't, we saw his debut against the Oakland athletics and everybody loved. He went seven innings, the home runs. Now going into it, people were saying, you know, he's, he's prone to the home run ball. He's given up a lot of home runs this year. He started off great. And it was like, oh, if this is the Lance Lynn, maybe it's just Lance Lynn pitching for a good team is going to change things. And now he's going to be awesome. 
when they started hitting those solo home runs, babyface, what did you think? I mean, isn't that thing like the solo home run's not going to kill you, right? You know, he gave up that one, but then he gave up another one, then he comes out in seventh, right? And, and he gives up another. And so it's 4 3 now. So now you're like, crap. Like now, now we're obviously, you know, he got through the seventh and then they were able to get insurance runs after that. But yeah, I mean, they're not going to kill you, right? They're, they're sporadic, you know, solo shots, but it is a problem that he has to work on and kind of. And figure that out, figure out what it is that he's doing, whether he's missing location or just, you know, leaving it up. Uh, he definitely got to gotta do that. But, you know, if he gives up a solo home run here and there, it's not the end of the world, right? So, but definitely something got to work on. It's can, only I, can I bring my sunshine and rainbows in for just a second? <laughs> bring it in. I'm going to lead you in with this, though, right now. <laughs> Being that it's going to be only his second start with the Dodgers, I don't know if they're going to be able to fix this problem that quickly. But Reina, does it not concern you that he has a home run problem and we're going to be facing Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Tatis this weekend? Now 100%. give me sunshine. Give me but sunshine. But the other side of that is he just got here. How can we how can we fix it when the guy's still learning people's names in the clubhouse and like how to even do like make his way around the park, let alone we haven't really had time for our coaching staff to assess him to the to the extent where we can even affect a change. So, yeah, is it disappointing that he's giving up home runs and we're about to go into a Padre series? Yes, but we got to give the guy a break. He just got here. You can't just magically like turn it on and, and make that change right away. So we're going to have to be patient. Let me ask you this right now. The fact that he was pitching with a four-run lead, did that factor into him giving up those home runs? Was he maybe more towards the middle of the plate than he should have been because he had a four-run cushion? If it was a closer game, could Lance Lynn maybe might have been pitching differently and not give up the home run? Uh, The thing that to me that's alarming is Dodger Stadium isn't necessarily known as a home run hitter's park. So the fact that he gave up three home runs like that I, I, I'm trying to be positive like you. I mean, I loved that he gave seven innings. I, I love that. But the home runs is concerning, especially with guys that swing from their ankles on this show pods team like Machado and Tatis. I think if we back up for a minute, though, like kind of what we were talking about offline, what was really available in this in this trade market, though, like from from whatever the media has to say about this. Of our available options, what was available and what we have, I mean, he went seven innings. That's and we still won the game. The offense bolstered him. So is it ideal? No. We got what we could and we're doing with it what we can. So I guess I mean put put a pin in that one, Reina, because I do want to go back and talk about this trade deadline. But baby face, the fact that Tony Gonsolin again went through five innings. You know, in the fourth and the fifth inning, it seemed like Roberts was just just chomping at the bit to pull him, you know. And so Gonsolin is going to go down to San Diego against this free swinging team. The way the pitching is lining up, I mean, to me, the most interesting thing is to see how Bobby Miller looks against the show pots. You know, you've brought this up many times, uh, babyface. Bobby Miller seems to have one bad inning, and that's when the game gets away from him. I would like to see I'm, – I'm very eager to see if that happens in San Diego, how he deals with it. Uh, but in terms of Lance Lynn and his debut against the Athletics, are you m- more encouraged or at this point, this is what you expected? 
I think um, I'm probably both, right? I mean, we knew what Lancelin is and what's coming in, right? He's going to give you the innings, and he's going to give up the long ball, right? And he did both, right? He got into the seventh first time a Dodgers got into the seventh, like, what, a couple months, right, since Kershaw. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's – that's what I kind of expected from Lance Lynn. He, he, he saved the bullpen that day, right? Bullpen just came out two innings and everything was good. And maybe that, that was the reason for the game with Gonsolin, right? We're, we're discussing it, right? He went five innings. He was at like 80 some odd pitches, right? And he didn't get to see the, the lineup a third time, right? I mean, I'm, I was good with that start because he only gave up one run, which was really good. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I do want, I do want to see Gonsolin go in deeper, in these games, right? He's going to need to get into that six. And if he can touch the seventh, even better just to save on that bullpen. But also going back to Bobby Miller, this is a huge start. I think for Bobby Miller, because this is, I think his first start where it's going to, it's going to feel like a playoff atmosphere, yeah. definitely in San Diego, right? He said the, the, the crowd's going to bring it. So this is a huge start. And, and I think Bobby Miller is kind of built for this moment. So, we'll, you know, we'll see how he does and, and goes out there. And if, you know, if he gives him five, six, you know, under three runs, right? We'll take that. You know, the Gonsolin thing to me, again, I, I've called him a riddle. And it, the thing that just fascinates me is I get his pitch count. And obviously, the Dodgers are very concerned with Gonsolin's stamina because the minute he gets to 84 pitch, I mean, 80 pitches, it seems like 80 pitches to Gonsolin is like over 100 pitches for any other pitcher. It is like clearly this is the warning sign. It's hard for me to to sit there and question Roberts on this one because they had the off day on Monday. Lance Lynn gave you seven innings. There's guys on in that bullpen that hadn't pitched for a while. And these guys need to pitch in order to, to keep sharp. So I'm going to try to ignore the fact that maybe it, would, it didn't look so good that the Dodgers didn't trust Tony Gonsolin to go one more inning with a seven-run lead. And I'm just going to choke it. I mean, chalk it up to the fact that Roberts just wanted to give the bullpen some work. Reina, is that positive enough for you? Or how do you deal with the Gonsolin? I, I'm actually impressed. Well done. <laughs> um, it's like you said, he's an enigma. I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, you can see him start to get in trouble. He starts to, you know, one or two people creep up on the bases. He loads the bases. Sometimes he can get out of it. Sometimes he can't. So it's even if you do have that seven game or that seven run lead, like is in some cases, is that enough? But then again, his stats kind of speak for themselves too. So it, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Yes. Uh, so the Dodgers have one more at the time of the recording of this, the Dodgers will have one more game against the Oakland athletics and the first two games, the Dodgers have done what is expected of them. The Oakland athletics are not a very good team. I, uh, and the Dodgers are, are doing it. So hopefully they will finish off the sweep because they need to, they need to beat these teams that they should be beating and try to cushion that lead, especially with the hated ones on their, uh, on their trail. Um, That being said, maybe I, I I guess I would have liked to have seen Gonsolin just give them one more inning, but look at, at this point, they they're in the middle of a 13 game stretch. So again, I get Roberts is thinking, and that's the thing, guys, I know if you guys listen to this show, you're going to sit there and be like, Oh, you guys are homers or anything like that. 
when I give you perspective, it's from the perspective of the guys that are running this team. I'm trying to think like these guys. I'm listening to what they tell us when we go to the games, when we're in the clubhouse. And I mean, I just, I've always gotten this vibe that the, the leash is much tighter on Gonsolin than it is on any other. And we, even from the beginning of the year, they were ta- making such a big deal about Gonsolin's recovery time. And I didn't hear them talking about any other Dodger pitcher like this. So again, here's hoping Kershaw comes back healthy. Here's hoping Julio will figure things out because come to playoffs, Tony Gonsolin is either going to be your number three or your number four. And you have a guy that you know about the fourth or the fifth inning. All right, we got to pull him. We got to pull him. And that just, that just does not give me confidence. Um, Before I segue into the next topic that I want to do, uh, I do want to just get your guys' thoughts on this Dodgers Oakland A's series. Um, there just doesn't seem to have been very much excitement for this series because the A's are just bad. They just are really bad. Uh, Babyface, the fact that the Dodgers have scored 17 runs in the first two games against the Oakland Athletics, I know you had called for a sweep. If they don't sweep, will you be disappointed? I'll be a bit disappointed. I mean, it's definitely a series they got to sweep, right? And and it's definitely a series to get them ready for San Diego, right? You want to just go out there and, and hit and, and score. and Because the previous series, right, they struggled a bit, right? The previous – on this homestand, they, they struggled to score. They struggled to score. Yeah. They struggled. So getting the A's and, you know, doing your thing and, 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 and scoring and, and playing like you know you're capable, I think it's good for them, especially going into San Diego for this weekend series. Reina, what are your thoughts on this Oakland Athletic Series? So much so that you just decided not even to go to Wednesday's game because it was just it, was, it wasn't even worth it. It wasn't even worth your your trouble, huh, to go to Wednesday's game. Well, that Tuesday's game and I'm going to tonight's game. I think if I make two of them, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know, I think we need I need we need the sweep right now. We it's it is the A's, but we still need that confidence boost. We still need that that extra game to to get up over the the Giants, they're playing the, the Diamondbacks right now. Like they have a little easier time, especially with how the Diamondbacks have been playing. So like we need that that easy run as well just to to sustain our lead. So hopefully we this week. And I just want to point this out there to to our listeners. Make sure you're following us on the social medias. Uh, a new show, a new feature that it that we're doing just on social media uh, is an offshoot of the Bleed Lows podcast called Sangronando. And so I did one called the summer of cell. I was able to talk to some of these Oakland athletics fans in the stadium. I even was able to talk to Dave Roberts and get his thoughts on this whole, when the Oakland A's fans chant, sell the team and Dodger fans joined in on it. And Babyface knows this probably better than anyone because Babyface was the guy who ran Frank McCourt out of Los Angeles. I really feel bad for these Oakland A's fans. Um, you know, they clearly love their team and for the writing to be on the wall that the, this team is, and I mean, this team is bad and they're still fighting to keep this team and they're bad. I, I ran into the uh, Oakland A's, uh, beat writer, Martin Gallegos. And I just looked at him and I'm like, oh, man, you have a tough job. And he's just like, look, I've been doing it for five years. This is how it's been. You know, it's like, it's a 10 to one game. This is. This is how every game is. The fact it's just 
all negative energy over there with the Oakland A's. I, the, the fans that I talked to, I was just like, look, man, I know what it feels like to have a crappy owner, to have somebody who you just don't think is in it for the right reasons. And, you know, now you start to sit there and you, what is the purpose of an owner, right? Yes, you own the team and I get it in your mind. If you're the owner, you want to make as much money as possible making it. But don't you owe it to the city? Do you owe it to to that public that you got to try to win? And look, if I think Fisher will probably make the argument that, will the Tampa Bay Rays find a way to make it to, to be competitive and they don't spend a lot of money. I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to find, follow the model of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Babyface, when you see this and the, the fans going around and chanting, sell, does it bring back memories of your battles with Frank McCourt? Yeah, a bit. I mean, it, it's just so different though, because it's like they want him to sell, but, they're they're already like planning on moving, right? Like, I mean, I don't know how far into the process. I mean, it looks like they're they've they've got a place. I mean, I don't know if they're voting or what are they doing in Las Vegas to officially make it official. But it, it just seems like it's this is really hard to. I don't know if they can reverse course. I mean, but I mean, I'll, I'm all for it, right? If if the fans could somehow get that guy to sell, right? If this guy doesn't, you know, he doesn't think that you know, he can make money there or whatever. I mean, we've seen the A's. They're, they've been competitive, right? I mean, even going, yeah. going back a couple of years ago, even when they haven't had, like, a star-studded team, they, they've had players, right? They've had, like, Matt Chapman, um, yeah. the, the Braves uh, first baseman now, right? Um, Matt they've had a Matt o- yeah, They've had a lot of players that, that come up, and they're good players, and they end up trading them away. And they, I mean, they, like I said, they've been competitive in the West, even when they haven't had, like I said, you know, huge, huge um, payrolls. So, they they do find a way to make it work when when they want to make it work as well. But you know, obviously, the number one situation is the stadium. The stadium situation, right? They, even if they stay, they, they got to find a better place to play. And I mean, like I said, I'd I'd love to see them. You know, hearing Oakland A's fans, you know, it, it's it's a part of their. You know, it's they're that other Bay team, right? They're not the Giants, right? I have no right. no issues with the A's, right? I mean, the A's are there, right? And, I mean, it, I would love for to see them succeed, staying in Oakland. Um, and it's unfortunate, you know, if they do end up moving to Vegas. Yeah, I, I mean, this whole situation to me feels like there is something shady going on here. I know that your your favorite commissioner of all time, Rob Manfred, has basically, and look, again, we have to remember that Rob Manfred works for the owners. That, you know, they've tried to do everything to stay in Oakland, but the city is just not cooperating. Meanwhile, the the city will argue the exact opposite and said, look, we're trying. This is the bottom line is it, it's all it comes down to money, right? Follow the money. Now, whether the Vegas thing to me is genuine in the sense that they want the Oakland A's. I, there's a part of me that feels that they're using Vegas just to even if they don't get the Oakland A's to get an expansion team, get people just interested in baseball because i bet you the people who live in vegas they don't want the oakland a's they want a new brand new baseball team that they can call their own so all this talk about the oakland a's moving to las vegas if that's just getting interest in the city of las vegas just for baseball maybe the play in vegas is more for an expansion team than not necessarily the oakland a's and i i just feel like fisher 
probably wants a stadium built on. I mean, I saw some some renderings of some proposed stadiums that they were going to build in Oakland, and they looked beautiful. I was like, that's a stadium I would like to go to. And I think, look, we go back when we had Dave Stewart on the show. He told us when the A's were really good in the early 90s, that stadium was full. They were able to drive like anything. If you put a good product on the field, the fans will come. It's just that this guy hasn't made much of an effort to put a good product in the field. And of course the fans are going to get pissed off when you have good players and then you trade them away. I mean, they had to find a way that was competitive. It was just check it out uh, on our social media, on our Instagram, on the, on, I, I'm still calling it Twitter. I mean, am I supposed to call it X? Is that what is that what we're 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 talking about? Uh, Reina, what what are your thoughts on the on this whole with with the fans, these Oakland A's fans who still are staying loyal and fighting for their team? I mean, I stand with the fans. Like we were there chanting with them on on Tuesday night because I mean, it, it would suck. Can you imagine if we lost our team or and it just. Yeah. There's a book I'm reading, um, The Lords of the Realm, and it talks about like the evolution, the historical, like how the owners came into play, how the commissioner role came into play. It's really interesting because we're talking about expansion teams and potentially like, you know, doing all this stuff. We can't even control some of the teams in the league where, you know, we've had to have extra wild cards because people just aren't building up their teams and you have the same teams in the World Series run every year. If we can't even manage what we're doing right now, what are we doing expanding? Like hold, hold the managers, hold the, hold the owners of the teams to a different standard. Maybe you don't move to Vegas. Maybe you move somewhere else in the Bay area, but there are ways that you can, you can handle this and keep the people who are going to watch your teams in the seats. And that's just not happening, but who's holding them accountable at this point. Now, look, you bring up a good point in terms of the extra wild cards. And I, and I want to switch gives me a good transition to my next topic. Um, we, you know, we did a live show reacting to the trade deadline and everyone on this show, look, we have been critical of Andrew Friedman, but I don't know if you guys saw the pieces that the LA times put out after the trade deadline. Uh, one of them by Bill Platschke and then the other one by friend of the Canessa, the Dylan Hernandez, where they really went after Friedman. Uh, and I even had fans have mes- messaged us after that episode that we dropped fans basically saying this trade deadline was a failure and that Friedman blew it. So I want to be fair to Andrew Friedman. Uh, And I, now some time has passed from the trade deadline where I'm going to try to be maybe a little more objective here in terms of what actually Andrew Friedman did at the trade deadline. I want to start with Bill Plaschke's piece. Uh, if you, if, for those of you who haven't read it, I mean, he basically said that, you know, Friedman blew it. He, he blew it. But there's a couple of p- things in that article that I want to address. And one of the things that you brought up, Reina, is something that Plaschke actually mentions in his article. And that is the fact that now that you have these extra playoff spots, you have more teams that are buyers than sellers. So when it comes to the trade market, the trade market is going to be tougher now. And I think that Andrew Friedman was a guy that in the previous deadlines was able to win because there were more options. There were more people that were selling. And because more people were selling, the prices came down and Andrew Friedman could take advantage of that. Now that there are more playoff teams, 
does this mean this is how the tread deadline I think is going to be like for the Dodgers in the future. It's not, you're not going to be able to get the Trey Turners, the Machados anymore because you're going to have a lot more competition to do that. So if this is the new, the new way that baseball is going to proceed and Andrew Friedman no longer has the advantage, how are we going to measure what is the success is it now the fact that prospects are even going to carry more weight? I mean, they're going to have more value at this point. I know you have been saying this throughout the whole time. Who was he supposed to get? Reina, what is your reaction to the heat that Andrew Friedman is getting after this trade deadline? I think it's unfair. I mean, to your point, in the past, it was what the Dodgers and the Yankees were the powerhouses payroll wise. And then now you've got the Padres coming in, the Mets coming in and they're, you know, they're flashing their payroll. You even got, you know, Houston, like people are stepping up the Rangers, but who was he supposed to get? Not only do we not have a lot of superstar names out there, but everybody knew what our problem was, which did drive the price up. So like, I just, people want to hold him to this high standard of he should have done this, but okay, so what's your solution? Because I'm not hearing solutions. I'm just hearing complaining. Which is, I think, very interesting that you bring that up because in Plaschke's piece, he brings that up. He brings up Justin Verlander. You know, that's someone they should have gone after. They didn't get him. Max Scherzer, they didn't get him. Lucas Giolito, Giolito, they didn't get him. And then Eduardo Rodriguez, they didn't get him. And what cracks me up is he mentions these pictures in his article, but then he proceeds to give you reasons as to why the Dodgers didn't pull off the trade. The fact that Justin Verlander had a no trade clause and didn't want to pitch for the Dodgers. Eduardo Rodriguez didn't want to pitch for the Dodgers. Max Scherzer, he even acknowledges in his piece there's no way you can bring Max Scherzer back to the Dodgers after the first time. I mean, Max Scherzer just did it again. Like Max Scherzer is very good at blowing up his former teams. He basically just told all of major league baseball what the Mets plans were. Now the Mets are completely out of the show. Hey, Otani, why would you want to me? Max Scherzer seems as, as much as I appreciate his honesty, Max Scherzer really comes off as self-serving and not a team player. So you're giving me three guys that they you're saying the Dodgers should have gotten, but at the same time, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth saying, well, but there was no way they could have gotten them, right? Lucas Giolito is the only one, and as La Reina pointed out very quickly, Lucas Giolito did not have a very good start against the Bravos uh, of Atlanta. So you're hoping that if the Dodgers give up a lot to get Lucas Giolito, that's not the Lucas Giolito that 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 you're getting. Um, Babyface, in terms of everything that I just told you right now with Plaschke criticizing Andrew Friedman, is Andrew Friedman getting an unfair shake here at the trade deadline? Well, Friedman spoke um, that day, that trade deadline day, and he said there was only really two targets that the Dodgers were after. They were after Verlander and Rodriguez. Verlander wanted to go to Houston. And then we, we saw what Rodriguez ended up vetoing that that trade. So yeah. who else? I mean, I, I you hear it everywhere. You know, there'd be, oh, Dodgers should go for Cease. And then once Cease was off the market at, at that time, then they're like, oh, they should go for Verlander. Oh, they should go for this guy. And, and everybody's just throwing it out there. 
it's it's a lot different being in, in Andrew Friedman's shoes and being out here and not saying, hey, you should go for this guy. I mean, they know what they can do and what they can't do and and what they want to give up. I mean, the Astros gave up their number one prospect, right? Yeah. For 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 Verlander. Do you want to yeah. do that as as a as a Dodger fan? Do you want to give up your number one prospect? Because that's what they're going to ask for. And I know prospects are valued differently by different teams, but if they come to you and they say, we want your number one or your number two, and that's it, like, are you going to do it? It doesn't matter, like, who it is. Like, if they say, we want your number one or your number two, and most of the time they're going to say, because I can guarantee you that anybody that Friedman was probably talking to, who's that person that they're asking for? Bobby Miller, right? Yeah. And 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 probably if Dodgers say, you know what, we're not interested in training Bobby Miller, then they'd probably be, the other team's probably like, okay, thank you. If you change your mind, get back to us. And that's probably where it ended, right? I bet you on a lot of those calls. Right, but like as friend of the Canesada, Casey Stern always says, you know, prospects are cool, but parades are cooler. If you end up winning the World Series, because this is what it's about, right, is winning the World Series. Like the Nationals won the World Series in 2019. The Nationals have not been good since, but hey, they got that World Series to show for it, right? To Go be ahead, fair, right they came in. They came in on a wild card, and they beat us because we did what we do sometimes in the first round of the postseason. <laughs> so I'm not trying to not give the Nationals their due, but let's remember how they got there too. Well, so, no, but what I'm saying isn't it the fact that you? I know you remember that they beat us and they came in as oh, a wild card. I was card, there. But in the end, isn't the end result they won the World Series? And isn't this what this is about? Like, don't you need to? Like, I find it very interesting that that the GM of the Guardians had to go into that clubhouse because the players of the Guardians were pissed because they didn't get any help. Hey, you guys got Noah Syndergaard. What are you what, what are you guys upset about? You got Noah Syndergaard. But like, where do you guys think that anybody in that Dodgers clubhouse was like, that's it. We're riding with Lance Lynn, Yarborough, Kike and, and Rosario. That that's what's going to help us. You've bolstered with Kike and, and Kelly, even just as fan favorites. I know that that doesn't go towards stats, but that I feel like that does still go a long way. But we've talked about this before, even the Verlander trade. Is he going to be a good fit in the clubhouse? We've done that before where it's not a good fit. And then what happened? We just got our chemistry like really backfiring on all cylinders. Do you bring in Verlander, even if he wanted to come here? I mean, he's, he's having an, a, a decent season, but like... Is he going to be a good fit? Is he going to knock off what we already have? And is that is that worth it when he wasn't even coming here in the first place? He wasn't even available. So so what are we complaining about? Babyface, could you criticize Andrew Friedman in the sense that maybe he spent too much time on the Eduardo Rodriguez trying to make that deal happen and completely being blindsided by the fact that Rodriguez didn't want to go there? Like... Could he maybe have spent more time trying to make another deal happen? Or is Andrew Friedman somebody who can do two things? He can walk and chew gum at the same time. While he's working on the Rodriguez deal, he could be looking at somewhere else. Is that a fair criticism to say, hey, man, you didn't do your homework on this one. You spent way too much time. You should have pivoted earlier to try to get a better option. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, that. He can do two things, right? I mean, but I don't think he's like, oh, okay, now all his time's here. I mean, he's got other people that are working on, on different stuff. It's not like, you know what, guys? I'm busy here with Rodriguez, and that's it. That's all I'm doing. I mean, there's Brandon Gomes. What does Brandon, what does Brandon Gomes do, right? So then there's how did nobody know that Rodriguez, or do you think they didn't tell 
Friedman this. That hey, dude, this guy doesn't want to go this, to the West Coast. Like this, this is seems on, like this a is big on, problem. This is on Detroit's side as well. Too. I mean, they got to if they hey, you know what? We're 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 interested in trading you. Will you trade? Will you waive your no trade clause? Now, if they got the impression that he would, and I think that's what they said, that the all the impression was that he would do it. And and either whatever happened at the end, whether he legitimate, maybe he didn't want to play for the Dodgers. He didn't want to come to the West Coast, or legitimate, you know, he wanted to keep his family over there. And that was the reason that he gave. And, you know, that, like I said, that's his, you know, when I think about it, I, I think it's like, why wouldn't he want to come play? If you're an athlete, right, you want to come and play and, and win another championship. He's won a championship. So maybe that has to do with it as well. Like, you know what? I've won a championship. It's all about my family now. I just want to keep them here. I want to keep everything just cool. And that's why he decided not to come. And, you know, I can respect that. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, that's, that's his decision. And, and, but like I said, I don't I don't think that if they were only focused on two guys, Rodriguez and Verlander, and that's kind of that that's all they had. I mean, what are you gonna do? But it comes well, back to who would they get? Let's <laughs> I think he can walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. To to babyface's point, he's got a team. They they have the best there. Who was he going to get? <laughs> who was available? And, and and that is the thing. I mean, we've taught it Toribio told us the same thing. The options that were out there, are they that much better than the options that you have right now? Like, if you get the Jack Flaherty, are you, are, is it willing? And and that's, you know, Dylan Hernandez's piece, I think, is very interesting also because Dylan Hernandez had said that he clearly valued the future as opposed to the right now. And that, to me, is the 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 hard part of being a general manager right you have to win now but at the same time you want to make sure that you don't have you don't fall off the cliff you want to be competitive and that's the thing i mean we're talking 10 years now that the dodgers have been in it every year there hasn't been a year that the dodgers haven't had a chance to be in the playoffs or or, or win a world series like that's the, we've asked ourselves that question many times on this show. Would you rather win the world series and suck for the next 10 years? Or would you rather have a chance to be in it every year? And that's what Andrew Friedman, I think has to deal with. Right. Um, but I think it's going to be very interesting going on because if this now is the new trade model in major league baseball, where you're going to have fewer and fewer sellers and it's always going to be, a seller's market like then that means to me that these prospects are going to carry more value and maybe you're going to keep these prospects more and you're not going to be willing to give them up so i they're very i mean hopefully we can have dylan on the show and he can explain uh his thought process on that article dylan's always uh fun to have on the show um i, I want to wrap it up on uh, with this I know that Edward, we were talking about Eduardo Rodriguez. He's getting a lot of heat because I guess Mookie had reached out to him. And was JD the other guy who reached out to him, Babyface? Uh, JD did. Mookie did. I think he, he returned Mookie's text. Right. And he, um, re- and he was after. And, and, um, and Peralta reached out to him. He didn't, re- he didn't return his. At that time, he hadn't returned his call either. Right. That's right. David Peralta. So. Uh, Reina, it is clear that it looks like uh, Rodriguez is the villain in this piece. Uh, my only thing is this, is 
did he owe it to have to to respond to Peralta and Mookie and JD? I mean, Peralta was on a team. I, I get also the reason why he didn't want to go because, and I will fight everyone on this. Look at his numbers outside of the AL Central. His ERA is not good, and he's going to be a free agent. This is about his next contract. This is about him getting paid. If he stays in the AL Central and continues to put up these numbers, he's going to get paid by somebody. And I'm sure they took that into consideration. No, Reina? I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know exactly what the communication was. They're saying they talked to him. He he gave signs. He's saying no. We we don't know what happened. We don't know what the communication was. And at the end of the day, like it depends on the relationships you have with these players. Yes, we we tend to look at them as team centric. These guys know each other, but even if they do all kind of know each other, depending on when they came up, it doesn't mean that they're all like besties out there. So, you know, whether he played with, with Peralta or, you know, he didn't want to return Mookie's text, maybe it was just an awkward situation. Maybe he, like you said, he's looking out for his future and not commenting at that point is the best thing in his, in, in his interest. So, I mean, at the end of the day, these, these players get one shot and you know once they're either not healthy or they retire like that's all they get so i mean i got to respect whatever decisions they're making i don't think they're out here as these villains just trying to like oh what you know what can i get over on everybody so babyface do you think rodriguez owed it to respond to peralta and mookie and jd in a timely fashion i mean i think i think it it is one of those like awkward it was probably an awkward, like he got a text, like he just rejected the, the trade he vetoed it, right? And then right. he gets a text from his former team. It's like, oh crap, like like what what am I gonna like? You know, I'm sure he's feeling a little bit awkward, you know, and he's thinking it's nothing personal or whatever, but you know, he's kind of like, how am I gonna say it? I mean, put yourself in that situation, right? Like maybe you, you don't you turn force down me a to job. do something I don't want to do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like I said, he probably he probably felt weird, and I'm sure he'll probably yeah. get back to them and say, hey, you know, sorry, whatever, and, and explain to him like. I mean, I don't think like as soon as they tell oh, Mookie texts me, I got I got to enter him back right now. You know, yeah, so it is what it is, right? Look, I think the Dodgers dodged a bullet. I'm telling you with Rodriguez, but uh, we want to wrap things up. So we don't have an update in, yet in terms of who won the picks last week because at the time of this recording, the Doyers and the Athletics have not played the last game. But it's either going to be La Reina de Playa Larga. If the Dodgers win, La, play, La Reina de Playa Largo. We'll get her first win. She'll be on the board, but also our listeners will win because our listeners have four and two. However, if the Doyers do lose, then the Prince of Darkness will win for the second week in a row. So, and so you guys don't label me a hater. I am rooting for the Dodgers to win tonight because I don't care. To me, the most important thing is the Dodgers win. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and go into the picks uh, for the next series of games, and then we will update all of these on our next episode. So um, the next series of games is going to be four against the, the show pods in San Diego, and then we have two in Arizona against the Serpientes. So I know that you. I want to get it official, Babyface. You think three out of four against the show pods, right? The Dodgers are going to take three out of four? That's my hope, but I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably just stay safe on it. And like I said, if they take two, I'm good. So I'm, right. I'm probably gonna go with with two there. And and La Reina, you said two also, right? Two and two against the show pods. Yes. All right. So are we doing? Are we throwing Arizona in there as well? Yeah. So what what are you? I'm looking gonna go at three and three the, total. Three and 
three and three overall. Well, there's seven games right now. Nope, Arizona's just a two. Six. Oh, that's right. You're right. Never mind. I'm mm-hmm. stupid. Math like, is I'm not one. One's not, one's not good at math. Yeah, no, uh, this is, uh, I'm a broadcast journalism yeah. major. And I told him there'd be no math involved, so. Yes, exactly. I got you. I got you. All right, so you're going three and three. All right. Yes. Um, and uh, Babyface. Uh, well, I'll go. Yeah. All right, so if you're going to go three and three. God, math is hard. Um, I'm going to go two and four. I'm going two and four. I, I think they're going to have a hard time in San Diego this weekend. And I think they will split with the Serpientes. Babyface? So I'm just going to keep this really, really safe and what we'll do three and three. All righty. So we got three and three and then two and four. So for your listeners, just do what you've always been doing. Send us your picks. Uh, either reach out to the Bleed Lows podcast on the Twitters or X Instagram, whatever social media you follow us on, let us know what your picks are, and then we will update everything on the next show. In the meantime, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, and not only in the audio format, but you can watch it on YouTube uh, and follow us on social media. Yo ha sido su servidor, Juan Ramírez, de parte de mis colegas, La Reina de Playa Larga, Amy Cuevas, and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.